I'm Danny, that witch next door, and you're listening to That Witch Podcast. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome. Welcome back to another episode of That Witch Podcast. I'm Danny. I'm that witch next door. I'm going to be your host, your guide, your mentor, and instructor in all things magic, witchcraft, astrology, and of course, witchy business. And I am very excited to dive into today's topic. Um, it's a little bit different than some of the stuff that we've talked about around here. Um, I got this idea... Uh, from some of my students in that witch school. So I asked everybody a little while after we opened, I started a thread to add any show ideas uh, that everybody had. And there were a couple of different suggestions on how to use astrology to be a better partner, how to use astrology to be a better parent. and the like. And really what this is asking is about synastry or the astrology of relationships in general. And I'm really excited because this is like my favorite astrology, (laughs) Uh, relational astrology and reading through uh, what used to be called or used to be referred to as compatibility charts. Um, You can call them, I think you can call them bilateral charts or synastry charts. I've always uh, referred to this as synastry. That word just really resonates with me because essentially what you're doing is you are taking two different charts and layering them on top of one another and seeing where the planets show up and how they interact and what houses they show up in. Um, And let's translate that to basically you see in what areas of life different relationships and different traits within our relationships what areas of life those highlight, uh, trigger growth, uh, trigger struggle. There's, it's really, I mean, God, even just defining synastry, it's so hard not to water it down. It's just the little tip of the iceberg because you can see so much in a synastry reading, uh, so, so, so much. And I, so as always, my little disclaimer, I'm going to walk you through my process and how I use synastry for understanding more in depth about a particular relationship, whether that's in my life or it's for a client. Bear in mind that, again, there's, as always, so many ways to use astrology and to use synastry different 
tips and techniques and methods that you can use. And so make sure that you use this episode as a source of inspiration and you you go out there and you continue to find and learn more about synastry if this is something that you're interested in. And I'd be willing to bet that you are quite interested because most people are most most people as soon as you learn your own chart god sometimes as soon as you learn just your own big 3 it's like i need to know everyone <laughs> i need to know everyone's placements um and i i know that i'm speaking to <laughs> all the astrology babies and all the astrology very very advanced uh astrologers out there as well like it's just especially at the very beginning of your journey almost all of us it, i would almost be confident speaking in an absolute and saying everyone but you know i don't like to do that but <laughs> i'm pretty sure just about everybody uh, that's at least interested in and finds astrology fascinating um, and starts really actually learning it, they fall down that that amazing Alice in Wonderland rabbit hole that is, you know, again, what used to be kind of referred to as compatibility charts. So uh, bear in mind, now that we're on, we just did the first disclaimer, let's go through all of them as usual. Disclaimer number two is... Do not base, I'm serious, do not base lifelong decisions, life-impacting decisions, based on something that you heard on a podcast, including this one, without doing your own very, very in-depth self-exploration. So, the reason I say this is because it is still to this fucking day. So, and it just shocks me. It's still so common to this goddamn day. You'll see in all kinds of astrology communities, whether it's like a private Facebook group or just in the comments on, you know, a public social media post or whatever, or you hear people talking about it. But I still hear to this day, people ask, like, should I... Should I even talk to this person? Should I even go on a date with this person? Should I even continue talking to this person? Because um, there, I can't even think of a good example of two signs off the top of my head. I don't know, because they're uh, an Aries and I'm a Cancer and I've heard that that can be a really volatile relationship. Um, there is so much more to it than that. First of all, I would hope if you've been listening to the show for a while and if you've been doing your own astrological study, I hope you can hear immediately how absolutely redonkulous it is to base any major decision off of just a sun sign for crying out loud. There's so much more to take into consideration than just our sun signs, which is why on the flip side of this disclaimer, you also don't use astrology to freaking justify toxic and unhealthy and frankly abusive relationships and situations. I have literally seen and heard professionals, professionals in this industry 
recommend people stay in really, really toxic relationships because of the potential soul tie there or the astrology. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So that's a big ass disclaimer here. We never use astrology to, especially such a, a tiny, tiny little piece of it, right? God, you couldn't use a less watered down piece than just going off of sun signs. Well, you know, I've heard that Scorpios and Tauruses really balance each other out. So even though we literally are not happy at all and we're extremely hurtful and harmful to each other every single day, you know, we're soul partners that balance each other, whatever, you know what I mean? No, 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 no. I'm never going to advocate for that. So I want you to use I want you to use this information for your highest good and for kind of the higher good in general. Okay. That's my, I'm just putting my intention out there. That's what this information is for that, that I provide. Um, and then lastly, this is a very significant disclaimer. I'm going to talk about lots of relationships and I'm going to talk about the main ones, um, you know, like romantic, but also parental, parent-to-child relationships. And I want you to remember that regardless of the the relationship you're looking into, whether it's your child, uh, maybe it's your sibling, you know, it's a different family relationship. Maybe it's your parent or grandparent. Maybe it's a family member or a friend, uh, like a friendship that's extremely, extremely important and close and special to you. Um, a person that is extremely special to you, I should say. There are parts of astrology that show us hard things. And, you know, we'll kind of remember this and kind of touch back on this a little bit as we go along today. But I just wanted to make a point to let you know that it's really normal to kind of get uh, your anxiety triggered a little bit. Uh, When I very first started reading my daughter's chart and my husband's chart, um, you know, these people that I live to spend as much of my time with and, and protect and, right, like, they're so, so, so special to me. And then you see some of these uh, you know, heavier aspects in their natal chart or these, these difficult, what could be really hard or difficult aspects in your synastry with one another. Cause it could be both. It could be just looking, especially if you're looking at your kid's chart. If you're looking at your kiddo's chart, I'm serious. Like it's okay to put the chart down and walk away for a little while because sometimes like no matter what it is, like if you're looking at Chiron, for example, I promise you that no matter where you see Chiron in a chart of someone, A, of just someone, B, especially of someone that you really, really care about, and C, even further, your own child's, their Chiron placement's going to look like, ah, Um, and it might really freak you out. It might, their Chiron very likely can have some kind of weird overlay or connection to your chart. This is really common. And, um, it's really valid to feel all of the emotions that kind of come with that. Like, 
oh my God, what could this mean? What is this going to be? I, I don't want to traumatize my child or this person that I care about in my life. Um, or vice versa. You know what I mean? You might see something the opposite way. Like, oh my God, is this person harmful to me? Like, I just want you to remember when it comes to synastry and relational astrology, I think it's really good practice to do grounding work and really make sure you're doing that grounding before and after. You're making sure to take breaks from it. Um, You're paying attention to your physical symptoms. We always talk about listening to your body, right? Your body will start firing off these different stress signals to you that, hey, it's time to put down the chart and walk away for a little while or maybe even seek some support from a friend or a loved one um, or a good snack or a good movie or a good book. You know what I mean? Some some kind of comfort for yourself and reassurance, um, that kind of a grounding uh, break for yourself. But please remember, this is the most important part of this last disclaimer. Each of us, each and every one of us, from us to our loved ones, our most sacred loved ones of all, okay? I'm talking to you, especially you mamas and dads out there. I need you to still understand that this earthly instinctual bond and connection that you have with your child to protect them and and give them this life of thriving, like that is this beautiful, this life earth purpose that you have. And I need you to recognize that they are their own soul. They are their own entire ass self and they have their own soul purpose. They have their own soul path and journey that they have to go on. And guess what? Part of it includes pain and trauma. It is part of the bag here. It just is. And to try and genuinely, genuinely prevent any and all pain or trauma from anybody else's life would literally be to rob them of parts of their own soul journey. It doesn't mean it's a fun and nice and happy part of the journey. I'm not saying that it is. I am saying that it's a necessary part of their journey. So I do not encourage you to use astrology, especially predictive style astrology, and when it comes to synastry and uh, relationships, to try and use it to like avoid the inevitable. I want you to use this information, on the other hand, feel empowered and informed. I want it to help you lean further in to your process. And I want it to help you trust each of our overall soul journeys and trust that we each do our best as our own individual person, whether that's as a parent, as a friend, as a child ourselves, whatever it may be, we do our best to set our love, you know, ourselves and our loved ones up around us for success. We do our best to show them our love and our support. And that's how far we get to go. And the rest gets to be up to them. Just like we have our total and full autonomy over our journey as well. Okay. So I just had to like, when it comes to this stuff, I'm serious. I had to give some big, big disclaimers today because I see this practice and branch of astrology abused 
so often and honestly exploited over and over again. So, all right, now that we've kind of got a lot of that out of the way, let's talk a little bit about how you create and cast a synastry chart and how you can start to use it. So it depends on the app or website that you're using. If you use time passages like I do, it's really, really easy. Um, Now, if you want to look at, this matters. The order in which you layer the charts matters. And the reason why, hang with me here, beginners, for a second, okay? Intermediates, you'll probably get this, but beginners, hang with me for a second. Because we each have different houses than one another, okay? Even if we were born on the same day as one another, if we were born even just a few hours apart from one another, our houses, especially taking our locality into consideration, um, our our charts are going to look different. We're going to have really similar actual placements, meaning... Mars will still be in Libra on that day. You know, if you were born, you know, Mars doesn't move drastically in just a handful of hours, right? It's still going to be in the same sign that it's in if somebody, if two people are born a few hours apart, even on the same day. But let's say one of those people were born on one side of the world and the other was born on the other side of the world, or even just different sides of a state, even just different sides of a country, like whatever it is, our locality matters. That's why when we enter in a birth chart, we put in the date, the time, and the location, and it automatically uh, generates the coordinates, the latitude and longitude coordinates. Um, That information is how we create and build the entire chart. And I go into this in way, way, way more depth in the Applicable Astrology series and actually in that witch school in your part one of exploring the astrological chart uh, class that you all have access to, which if that sounds like something that you like, head on over, come and roll with us. They all have access for lifetime, you know, as long as you're in the school to this uh, full, it's the full first part of kind of my intro to astrology class. Um, And then part two will be coming out very, very soon. I'm so excited. But uh, I go into this in a little bit more depth than that as well. So I'm not going to do it a lot today, but just know that the houses, the actual houses shift and move depending on the time of day and where the person is. The planets stay the same based on, you know, their regular uh, orbit that they're already on, okay? Now, the reason all of this matters is because, for example, my husband and I, who I'm going to use as uh, with permission, I already, I asked him, (laughs) uh, I'm going to use his chart today. I'm going to use Jared's chart with my chart to just kind of have as a real life example in front of me. Um, Our birthdays are only about two weeks apart. He's October 13th. I'm October 30th. Um, But we were born a number one, we were born a year apart. Uh, So a lot of our generational planets are the same. We have tons of overlap. Um, but we're born a full year apart. So we do have plenty of our interpersonal planets that are different. Um, but there are some similarities because we were born, you know, our birth days 
are only a couple of weeks apart from each other. Uh, So there are some different similarities because of that. But our charts side by side, not layered on top of one another, but side by side look totally different because of our rising signs. Our rising signs are completely different. And your rising sign in the Placidus housing system, which is what I'm using, um, your rising sign determines the calculation in the rest of your houses. And so because my husband is a zero degree Aries rising, and because I'm a 20 degree Leo rising, our houses, my first house starts at 20 degrees of zero or (laughs) my, my chart starts at my first house starts at 20 degrees of Leo. Whereas his chart, um, yes. And isn't that really cool? His chart starts at zero degrees of Aries. (laughs) So when I very first started, uh, studying astrology, I would use his chart to practice all the time. Like in my head, I'd kind of recall what I could remember his chart looked like. And that's how I used to remember or practice memorizing what order the Zodiac signs went in when I was still learning that like, okay, that's right. It starts at Aries because Jared has that perfect chart that starts at zero degrees. (laughs) So it was really convenient. Um, So if you look at our charts side by side, like, holy cow, they are super, super different. So even if whoever you're comparing the charts to have really close birthdays, uh, you you will still be absolutely fascinated by the synastry chart, I promise you. Um, So the order in which you layer these, because our houses are so different, right? Uh, matters. When you're in time passages, the way that you do this is you choose a base chart. And when I say base chart, I mean the one that you're going to, basically it's the one that you're going to maintain the same structure for. So in this particular example, I'm going to use my chart as the base. So when I pull up my synastry chart with my husband, it's going to look like it starts at 20 degrees of, of Leo. God, I almost said zero again. (laughs) It's going to start at 20 degrees of Leo, um, because it's based around my housing system. So I use my chart as the base first. I put Jared's on top of that. And you do this in time passages by going to your chart, or whoever you want to be the base, you go to that chart first, okay? So I'm going to go to mine first. Then when you get there, there's an option to uh, compare charts. This is why I love the Time Passages app. And it's only like 35 bucks a year or something. This is not even sponsored. I just really like their app. Uh, It's just really quick and easy on the go. There's some great websites that I use when I'm at my actual desktop, which I'll, I'll link our resources page in the show notes for everybody so that you can go kind of look around at different websites and and apps and stuff like that. Um, but for my on the go, I love time passages because it's just so simple. Uh, then you click compare charts and then you pick whoever the person is that you want to compare charts to. Now on time passages, it's going to give you this astrological meter. Um, you can do with that whatever you will. Uh, if you know me or anything about me, you know that I don't, I hate stuff like that. Not because I don't think it's really convenient and nice, but I see that and I attach way too much to it and I need to know more. And this is why I never really liked the pattern because I was like, this information is accurate, 
but I need to know more. Why do they know this accurate information about me? I want to know how to like decipher this for myself or come up with this for myself. So after you click the second person, you'll be given this meter that kind of goes over on time passages. It's like your overall score, your long-term, your career with each other, your home and family, your communication, your money, and your romantic scales. Uh, Again, take all of that with you what you will because you'll find that, I hate that it says romantic. What it should say is, love um, because you'll find that with your children or with really special people in your life that that romantic scale uh, a lot of times will be kind of off the charts, like really, really harmonious. And it doesn't obviously always mean it's a romantic relationship. Uh, But then when you look at the actual chart, this is where I wanted to give you another little like if this is the first time you're pulling up a synastry chart and you're looking at it right now and you're like, Danny, I'm going to throw up. This is so confusing. <laughs> Take a deep breath. Synastry charts are like transit charts. They look crazy visually overwhelming at first. I promise they get easier and easier and easier to understand. Um, And if the visual of the circle chart is a little too overwhelming, don't forget that on uh, time passages, but on many of the other apps and websites, you can actually click on the different placements or aspects, or you can look at a little table chart that will, uh, you know, kind of list out the main points or major aspects to you so that you can read through those and and not feel so, so overwhelmed. But I do encourage you to still take a little peeksies here at the chart because here are the basics of what I do when it comes to synastry. Um, And overall, this is like regardless of the type of relationship. The first thing that I do is I always take a look at, I let my eyes, you know, do the wandering. I let the, I let the chart speak to me. I always say that. Let the chart talk to you. Let your eyes naturally wander, your intuition and your guides, and quite honestly, your own knowledge, because you have been studying this. You're better and more knowledgeable than you're giving yourself credit for. Um, your your eyes know where to go, okay? Now, naturally, you're going to look at a lot of the clusters first, right? You're going to look at a lot of the areas where there is a ton of activity going on. And then you're going to look at the areas where you're like, holy cow, there's like nothing. Maybe you put your, I've put two charts together before of uh, married, like very long time married couples, like, much older than me, like a couple generations after me, you know, looking at family charts. I get, again, you'll get addicted. You'll get everybody's birth time and you'll start comparing everyone's charts. So I've done this for uh, different people in my family. And it is crazy sometimes to see such big giant gaps where there's just nothing. We're not activating those parts of, of life for each other. Now, here's the thing when you whether it's a giant cluster or what feels like a cluster fuck of information or or you know or energy that you see in a chart or if it's this giant gap i want you to not panic especially if it's you know someone you really care about don't panic quick reminder about lots of energy versus 
lack of energy in a chart. Neither is good nor bad. They just represent different kinds of information. A lot of energy in any one area, any one sign, that is going to be the areas of life that that relationship most activates for you. And that's where you're going to see the most growth in your soul journey from that relationship. If this is someone in your life, like a, like a romantic uh, long-term partner, and you see these big empty areas like that, because my husband and I, when I pull up Jared and I, um, we activate at least each house for each other with at least one placement. Um, which makes a lot, a lot of sense to me. Like we have a very natural and easy long-term, uh, how, how do I say that? Like we really align in our, from the, from the day-to-day values to the longest long-term dreams and goals and morals and values. And so it makes sense why we hit every single house for each other. Um, I could look at our chart and go, oh yeah, I could see that. I could see that in each house. If you see areas where neither of you activate a house, so like, let's say for any reason, you know, uh, the ninth house was completely empty or the second house was completely, completely empty. Even when you layer the charts on top of each other, there's no placements there. And this is a lifelong partner, or maybe this is a child, right? Maybe this is your, your child, or maybe they're your parent. Either way, it's this lifelong relationship. It means that to cultivate balance in that relationship you may need to more consciously or more purposefully activate that area of life with that person. You might. It doesn't mean you have to. There are definitely relationships where you'll see those empty houses and you'll go, oh yeah, that makes sense. We aren't really involved in each other's lives when it comes to the second house. You know what I mean? It depends. It totally depends on the relationship. So it really, there is no there's almost never cause for panic when you pull up charts, really, truly. The only time that there's cause for panic is when I pull up charts and I see something difficult and then I talk to the person and find out, ha yes, this is a very toxic relationship. So, um, you know what I mean? That there's, that's a different situation, but overall, most of our day-to-day regular and long-term relationships, um, yeah, you're going to you're going to notice and mo- most of you are going to look at your challenges and look look at your strengths with each other and go like, "Oh, yeah, that makes sense." Now, if I want to see reversed, so this is I pulled up my chart and put my husband's chart on top of it so I can see that my son is already my son lives in my uh third house. And my husband's son also falls in my third house, which makes a lot of sense. Her birthdays are only a couple of weeks apart. So the son in Libra and the son in Scorpio, you know, they weren't that far apart from each other. Um, uh, let's see here. Uh, we both really, really uh, activate my fifth house of 
legacies and uh, passion and joy and pleasure. And uh, this is because of legacies and passions. This is also our house of children as well. So it made a lot of sense that he really activated my house of parenting for me. Um, And it's funny, we almost have no energy in my seventh house of significant relationships, except uh, his North Node ends up in my in my seventh house, which I thought was really sweet. And the way that I kind of interpret that is, um, you know, as he follows his sole purpose and sole direction in this life, which is your North Node, um, it kind of furthers our significant and an overall relationship with each other. Oh, isn't that cute? Um, so sometimes there's sweet things like that. Um, well, there's very often sweet things like that. Then you'll see some challenge areas. So uh, one thing I always point out is <clears throat> my moon is in Pisces in my eighth house. And my husband's moon is in Aries. And it falls at the very, very tip end of my eighth house at the very, very end. It's literally one degree away from being in my, my my ninth house. So we both have this emotional connection with one another and we always have, um, but there is this energy. I love talking about this. Um, I was just talking about this uh, with my one of my mentorship clients, uh, Jamie, shout out to Jamie. Uh, we were just talking about Aries and Pisces. Um, Aries and Pisces can feel so far away from each other sometimes because Aries is the first sign of the Zodiac and Pisces is the very last sign. But because of that, and because it's in a circle and it's cyclical, they're also right, right next to each other. And so sometimes the way I really see this is like, sometimes you can tell that we're both in my eighth house. You can tell that we really are in that same area. There is alignment, there is connection, there is understanding. But because of those two different signs and because they're, you know, significantly far away from each other, right? It's not like they're conjunct one another. His moon is at eight degrees of Aries and I'm at 17 degrees of Pisces. We're a little bit away from each other. We're almost on opposite sides of my eighth house from one another, Um, which means that sometimes there is that disconnect. Sometimes it feels like we're really far away from each other. Sometimes we feel really, really out of sync with each other. This is this is what I love about relational astrology is it helps you really see, oh, look at the natural ebbs and flows of this relationship. It really helps you surrender to this idea that it was supposed to be all sunshine and rainbows with whoever, you know, as long as you love someone, whether that's romantic love or parent love, whatever it is, as long as you love them, that's enough. Well, it's a lot more than that. It's a lot of it's a lot of ups and downs. It's a lot of getting through things with each other and growing like triggering growth in one another, which is honestly like challenging. When you trigger growth in one another, it's not usually in a fun and happy way. Um and so this is this is essentially like I would start by looking at the base chart And I would look at, like I said, any empty areas. I would look at areas of lots of energy. Like I said, for me and my husband, my fifth house, like, because we both have a Capricorn stellium, um, holy moly, like it is so packed in my fifth house. It makes so much sense why, um, we both really 
align and have a lot in common in that area of life. Um, But this information is good to know because when you look at the more sparse areas or you look at uh, the aspects and you start seeing, oh, here's a square here. Here's a big area of tension, right? Here's a big opposition here. This is a major lesson of balance. And even though you might be this in this relationship that creates and teaches a lot of balance, that's through, you usually learn that through a lot of imbalance and disharmony. So um, you'll, you'll want to just look at the chart based on one base chart. This really helps you understand the relationship most specifically through the base chart's life. Okay. So in this case, this really helps me understand mine and my husband's relationship through my chart, what this, what this relationship and what this relationship's role is in my journey. Then you can flip them around. And again, if you're in time passages, you would just back out and you would go to, um, the other person first. So I'm going to open my husband's chart, hit compare charts and then layer it with my chart. And even though our aspects are the same, where we show up for each other is completely different. Where I show up in his chart is completely different. So my son is in his eighth house. And this was one of the very first things that I noticed was that my son and my Venus, my Mercury and my Pluto Um, because I have that Scorpio stellium and because he has that perfect chart. So his eighth house is ruled by Scorpio. Um, All of my Scorpio placements are in his eighth house. This gives us a lot of intimacy connection with each other. Yes, on a central uh, and sexual aspect, but also on a soul aspect, that kind of intimacy, where ever since we've known each other, we have always been able to share our deepest and darkest with each other, that kind of a connection. So um, I want, there are main houses that you can look at and there are main placements to look at for different relationships. And I'll kind of go over those now. Um, But I I didn't want to start with that because I really, really like to teach you guys to let the chart speak to you. Don't just go in and and only focus on the Venus and the Mars. So many astrologers will teach you, oh, just go look at the Venus and the Mars placement. Look at the big three, boom, bada bing, bada boom. Look at their seventh house and you're done. I There's always more than that. So I always encourage you to look at the whole entire picture as well. Um, now, some of the main kind of tips and those little areas that I'll give you to start looking at. So first, when it comes to romantics, okay, any kind of romantic relationship, uh, all significant relationships, seventh house, okay? So you want to look at seventh house energy, that person for you, um, uh, what they look like together. And then, uh, and you'll find, I'm serious, just because someone activates your seventh house does not mean 
again, that it's automatically this wonderful relationship. What aspects are being made to the seventh house, okay? Um, or or I should say, what aspects are being made to the placements in that, in that house or that area? Eighth house, because of that intimacy, and I call it greater sex, and I don't mean greater as in like more enjoyable. I mean, grander, the higher octave. Um, that's going to be eighth house, more like lust, and flirtation and those playful parts of, of sexuality and sensuality, that's going to be fifth house stuff because that's parts of our pleasures and our hobbies and our novelties. Um, but because the fifth house is also our uh, legacies and our self-expression, uh, this also ends up being our house of children, which honestly, because of all the sex stuff makes so much sense, right? <laughs> There's all this sex going on in the fifth house. No wonder we end up having children there. Um, but it's a lot more like the lust, the raw fucking, I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'm just gonna be honest. That's more fifth house. Um, and eighth house is more of that merging, more of that intimacy. This is like higher octave, higher level. Um, I feel like the fifth house is, is like playful, uh, sex and kink play and stuff like that. And then eighth house gets into like making love, like soul, soul sending sex, sex that it's like, I don't even like calling it sex because it was so much more than that. And this is where we get into like, deep lifestyle of, of, uh, kinks and fetishes and all that. Okay. So like that, these are some of the difference. These are some good areas to look at for your romantic relationships or sexual relationships. Like I said, um, I also think that the 12th house is kind of important because of, um, your subconscious and it's good to know what subconscious energy we're both bringing to the relationship. And if this is a romantic relationship that you are in, um, and intending to be in for life or that you want to be in long-term, uh, I would take a look at, uh, fourth housey stuff to see where you both come from and what, get yourself some insight on, uh, you know, your different values and morals and definitions of uh, home and family dynamics, okay? Now, uh, as far as placements go when it comes to romantics, with all relationships, we want to take a look at the big three, no matter what. And we want to take a look at the inner planets and see how those inner and personal planets interact with each other. Um but in romantic, like I briefly mentioned, we definitely want to take a look at Mars and Venus for both, uh, both people or all people, I should say. You can do, you can do compatibility and synastry charts for more than two people. Absolutely. And I am all for consensual, uh, polyamory, of course. But. Uh, especially for beginner astrologers, it visually gets very confusing. So sometimes it's just good to start with just two at a time, okay? Take it one step at a time and just do two people in one chart. Um, Mars and Venus for for both uh, folks' charts, you want to take a look at what, like, if I was looking at me and my husband, I would want to look at just my Mars and just my Venus in my chart and get a good understanding for that. And then I would do that same process with my husband, 
then I would take a look at the synastry and look at how each of our Mars and Venus interact in each other's charts or potentially with one another, okay? Uh, Mars is going to be sex drive and our actions in general. There's a lot of our lust and our momentum and our motivations and our desires and our, um, there's a lot of, I would call it desires in Mars and I would call it pleasures, physical pleasures in Venus. And in Venus, we also have our empathetic connections and our deep connection, our soul connection with each other and our love really, really, truly our love for one another. Okay. So this is why we look at those planets. You also want to look at the moon and the sun and the rising because the moon for both people is going to be their emotional needs and their, their emotional experiences, how they experience emotions and respond to them and what their emotional needs are and how to meet them. Um, their sun is going to tell a whole story about their ego, right? And where they are at in their ego journey. And then their rising sign is going to show you how they approach any situation, how they rise to any occasion. And it's going to give you an indicator of all of their self stuff, self-worth, self-esteem. Um, and our self-esteem and self-respect directly affects how we respect and treat and value other people as well. That's why our rising sign and is so, so, so important in relationship astrology. Now, um, that's a good, that's a pretty, again, we could go on for fucking ever in any specific or one relationship, but that's a pretty good place to start with romantic relationships. If you are curious in parent to child, um, and again, whether you are the parent or you are the child in this scenario, uh, fourth house, hundred percent, you definitely want to go to the fourth house. You want to go to the fifth house. You want to take a look at what's going on there for both people. Uh, we still want to take a look at the seventh house because it's still significant relationships. And I think that seeing the activity there is going to provide uh, helpful information. And then um, I also find that in parent-child relationships, looking at the first house is extremely important as well because it is a parent's role, whether they accept it or not, it, they either they can do it intentionally or it'll happen inadvertently. Uh, they're going to end up teaching and displaying to their child how we treat and take care of and see oneself. And so looking at first house is uh, usually, again, pretty good information for both people. When it comes to parent and child, I, I hate to say this, but I, because that's such a special kind of relationship, I really think that looking at every single house is important. Um, and same thing with any kind of like very big, meaningful, what you believe to be or is a long-term relationship, whether again, that's familial or romantic, whatever it is. If you're like, if this is like, no, this is some kind of soul relationship. This is a lifelong one. Either it's a lifelong friend I've had forever or any of those examples. Um, you want to look at every house. You want to, you want to take your time through those sinistry charts and go piece by piece and house by house and aspect by aspect, really. And, and, and you don't rush, you don't rush sinistry. Even when I prepare for sinistry, uh, sessions for people, I, I never, 
I never really just free ball it that day. I don't really free ball any session. I always prepare for a session. It's just so much more efficient if you really prepare for uh, any kind of astrological reading if you look at the chart first. But it's not impossible. You could free ball it. But with synastry, that's really, really challenging. There's so many more layers um, that you really want to give yourself time to peel back each of those and give them their their due diligence. And then, um, like I said, you just really want to make sure when you're looking at these placements that you're not getting bogged down by the difficult or hard information that you find and that you're also not letting the good or nice or fluffy information you find totally cover up the shit that also needs to be seen and looked at and addressed. You know what I mean? So I hope that this helps. We could go on for honestly like four hours about this. And I would be happy to even continue elaborating about this because I, like I said, God, I love relational astrology so, 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 so much. Um, So let me know what questions that you have after this, if this helped clear anything up for you, helped inspire anything for you. I certainly hope that it did. I want you to leave more informed and more inspired after each of these episodes, of course. So thank you all so much for joining me today and for taking the time to explore your astrology and taking the time to want to learn more about your relationships. As you start to peel these layers back, you'll start to see how you can better interact with one each one another. And maybe that's kind of the next step. Maybe we'll do another episode on that. It's like, okay, now that we've kind of understand how you pull up the chart and what the structure looks like and maybe some main areas to look at, maybe we could go into a more specific episode into what square aspects and relationships can look like. Maybe some of those Venus and Mars interactions. We can totally do that if that's something you guys would like. So let me know. I'd love to hear from you. You can shoot me a message directly in that witch school if you're enrolled. Otherwise, of course, you can head over to thatwitchnextdoor.com slash conjure that witch and send me a message there. I love you all so, so much. Thank you again. And I hope you have a beautiful, beautiful rest of your week. Bye, everybody. I almost forgot to say, stay safe, have fun. And don't forget, stay magical out there. Hey, magical human. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of That Witch Podcast. If you want to support the show, the best way to do that is to share with a friend or give a shout out on your social media. You can also leave a five-star rating and review on both Apple and Spotify. And if you can't get enough of all of our witchy, magical content here in the neighborhood, you definitely want to make sure you're subscribed to my email newsletter, That Witch Gazette. It's a really fun, really convenient, one-stop shop to stay up to date on all of the news and happenings here in our neighborhood. If you have any questions, suggestions, ideas for the show, or if you'd like to sponsor an episode, you can send me a message at thatwitchnextdoor.com slash conjure that witch. Thank you so much. I'll see y'all next time.